We know that somewhere in the world, someone downloaded this podcast, but we don't know anything about you. The folks who support this show would love to know just a little bit about who is listening. If you have two minutes, it really does only take two minutes. Help us make this show an even better experience for you by telling us more about yourself. Just go to ListenerQ, L-I-S-T-E-N-E-R-Q.com forward slash pull up and take the short survey. You can also give us direct feedback on the show, which we would love to hear. And as a thank you, you'll be entered in a drawing for a $100 Amazon gift certificate. Two minutes. ListenerQ.com slash pull up. That's ListenerQ.com slash pull up. Some of the things I've heard players say, some of the things I've said to a referee compared to what Serena said, it's not even close. Just looking at other male tennis players, how they've talked to referees, how they slam rackets, how it's perceived when they take their shirt off versus how a woman does it and she gets points. I I think it's all sexism. I think this is the first time I've seen teammates openly speak out about another guy's contract situation, literally comment on his pockets. Like, that's a golden rule. But I think for them to, to criticize him, a guy who's trying to do what's best for him, for himself and his family, you have to support that. Shout out to the Cleveland Browns. Incredible atmosphere. First game of the year. It was a roller coaster ride of emotions. Defense was great. Miles Garrett looked awesome. Denzel Ward was great. This is the year we turned this franchise around, man. Welcome to the Kobe Bryant edition of Pull Up. That's right, number 24. I'm currently in Westland, Oregon, back at the crib for a few days of working out, or should I say a few weeks until training camp. Feels good to be back at the house. A lot of boxes, a lot of packages. Uh, We just passed up, or we just had our first football Sunday in the books. I was at the Cleveland Browns game. It was a super, super dope experience. Jordan's been hating on me about the tie. Says it's very Browns-like of us. So without further ado, we have to welcome Jordan on, as always, and discuss this Browns game, the <laughs> vibes, my my talk, my talk with the team. <laughs> Actually, I didn't talk to the team. <laughs> I, I loved how you were parading around the stadium like you were a flanker receiver. I mean, your your passion for that team is is remarkable. However, as our producer Matt pointed out before the segment, if you just watched the CJ McCollum Instagram, not only would you have thought the Browns won, you would have thought they won by 30. So <laughs> at what point, I mean, because it was, it was a crazy game. There were a ton of turnovers. Um, and then they had the missed field goal late. So at what point uh, did you realize that this thing was actually going to be close? And And then at what point, I guess, did you realize that that you come to the realization that, you know, you're not going to win, you're not going to lose, it's a tie. Like, what, what was your feeling on that? Because to me, that's almost more disappointing, but I, I don't know. Yeah, honestly, first of all, shout out to the Cleveland Browns. Shout out to Juice, Josh, all my homies on the squad, man. I appreciate the Browns' hospitality, allowing me to come on the field, jumbotron action on the social media. Just a lot of love in general. And I'm, I'm a loyal fan, true fan, been a fan for a long time, so this is no bandwagon talk. I've been, I've been here. Just want to start off by saying that. The vibes were incredible. It was an incredible atmosphere. First game of the year, a little bit rainy. We walked about a mile. There's a lot of stories I can tell from behind the scenes that I'll share later. But long story short, got to dab up Juice before the game, talked to him. I told him to handle his business. And we, we shared a conversation in Miami during my friend's bachelor party. I told him I got his number and everything. I said, this is our year, bro. This is the year we turn this franchise around, man. I say we like I was playing because that's how I feel <laughs> about my Browns. And I told him I was going to be there opening night. I said, if, if I don't have workouts or anything like that, I'll be there opening night. I'm bringing the homies. I'll be in the field pregame. And I told him, I said, my word is everything. My word is bond. I'm here. Put on the show. And he said, I'm going to bless him. And he did just that. He blessed him. <laughs> he blessed him over 100 yards. I think he had six, seven catches. He looked great out there. 
I was on social media heavy, man. I was excited. I had my my dad, my brother with me, all my homies from my hometown that are Browns fans. And it was a it was a roller coaster ride of emotions. Defense was great. Miles Garrett looked awesome. Our first round pick, Ward, Denzel Ward was great. Two picks. You couldn't you couldn't ask for more from him. Uh Carlos Hyde gave us a touchdown. Josh got he was only targeted three times and we can discuss that a little bit later because I, I don't like how he was utilized, but he did get a touchdown. And we were down 21-7. With seven minutes left in the fourth quarter, people were leaving the arena. I literally looked at my friends and said, we're going to give them two more possessions. And if they don't do something in these next two possessions, we're going to get out of here and beat this traffic. And sure enough, Miles Garrett gets that strip. We pick it up, and we get life. But overall... I thought there was a chance we could win when it was 21-14. I thought for sure we were going to win when it was 21-21, and we had the ball driving down the field. And in overtime, when we got that interception, I thought for oh, yeah. sure the game was over. Like, I was 100% certain the game was over. And then as it progressed, I literally looked back at one of my friends and said, a tie isn't the worst thing. It's not the worst thing that could happen in this situation. A tie is not bad because, for one, it doesn't, it doesn't count as a loss. For two, I bet a lot of money on this game. And if I tie, it's a scratch. So <laughs> uh, I was really, really excited about the tie. One of those say. bets was to me. One of those bets was to you. Because I gave you three three points. You gave me three. So you won that bet. And you owe me some of the best Pinot you've ever had. And I want the bottle that you were drinking in Italy that you said was the best bottle you ever had. So we got to figure out how to get that here. Yeah, we're going to get to that later because I've already ordered some. So I got you. Um, what was the dog pound like? And then... An actual like serious question about football, basketball, sports is if, if you're on a losing team that has not won, doesn't it happen where like you start to think, here we go again? You know, where and, and that's why I'm saying I was impressed with the Browns because they were down and they were able to come back. So give me a sense of the dog pound and then at what point does that psychological warfare start to play in where you start to think, Man, I, I can't believe it, but we're gonna we're gonna lose again. The dog pound is unlike anything you will experience. I'm talking painted faces, loyal fans. Uh, there's guys with jerseys, guys and girls with jerseys from years and years ago. They have jerseys with all the quarterbacks with with the uh, with them scratched out, basically uh, signifying how many times we failed at drafting the proper quarterback. There's intensity. There's anger. There's angst. We go through. We go through so many emotions during a game. Literally, I was exhausted. I felt like I played a playoff game when I went home. I was I was so fatigued. I was confused. I didn't know like what to think. My feet hurt from jumping around. Like I jumped up and down so many times when we were getting stops. We were banging. Here we go, Cleveland. Here we go. Hoo, hoo. All of that, man. Dog pound was great, man. So shout out to the dog pound. But from from a fan's perspective, the whole thing, it's tough. Jordan, I won't lie to you. There was times where I, I cursed out the play calling. I'm cursing out players. I was beside myself. I don't know what I was thinking, you know, as a player. But the fandom took over, and I just felt like I felt like a real fan who, where you wanted more than them, but you know that's not true. But you really like I really wanted this game. Like I wanted it bad. And as it progressed, a couple times I said, "Yeah, it's a culture thing." You know what I mean? It's a culture thing. It's it's something that. Takes a, it takes time. And Juice talked about it in the preseason during Hard Knocks. It's a culture thing. It starts from preseason, uh, postseason. Everything you go through is a culture. 
And you have to get those losses out the way. You have to overcome those those nagging injuries to rise to the top. And I think a lot of fans were just happy we competed, happy the game was close. But you could hear a lot of, ah, same old Browns or this is so Cleveland of us and, and, and things of that nature. But overall, I liked the effort. I liked so, it a lot. So you, for the first time in a long time, felt like a real fan again? Because I don't think you've experienced that having not won. I mean, they haven't won a game in – Almost 630 days. So you you really you really wanted that one. Like that one felt more to you than or more more special than anything else. And so to get the tie was was brutal. It was brutal, man. I really really wanted this game. I even said if we win this game tonight, I'm coming back. I'm coming back for Thursday night football. <laughs> I said it. I said during the game, I will fly back. Wow. Okay. I don't care how how much it costs. I'm I'm flying back for Thursday night football. We win this game because that's how much the Browns mean to me. Like as a kid, your Sundays were devoted to watching the Cleveland Browns, and a lot of times we were let down. So to have the Steelers shorthanded, might may I add, might I add, they were shorthanded. To have them on the ropes, Big Ben trying to throw in the rain, getting pressured. Uh, A.B. not really able to get involved the way he normally does because of the rain, because of the defense, because of the scheming, the front four, the front five were applying pressure. It was like a, a storybook ending. I don't I don't think I've been this excited for a game since I watched my brother play. Right. I get excited when I watch him because it's, it's my bro. I know how much work we put in. I know what the game means to him. And it's just fun to watch all the stuff we practice get utilized in game settings. But something different about watching your football team, especially when they have a chance to be Good. It makes you feel good inside. Yeah, three things. One, Garrett was incredible. You can see that he took that preseason. That was he was impressive, and now he's like he's a game changer because he was one of the best players I thought in all of Week One. He he was fantastic. Secondly, Jarvis Landry is not just a difference maker as a player, CJ, but he's the kind of guy that you need in your locker room. Like he is that mentality of he's going to find a way. And I think that's enormous. And you've talked about him before and, like, how he's just that guy. And then three, you, you talked about the Steelers being shorthanded. Um, what was what was your take or what's been your take on on that one with, with Le'Veon Bell? And, you know, how would that be handled in the NBA specifically with a guy that is a franchise-caliber player that is not there and is holding out into the season? Yeah, I think this is the first time I've seen teammates openly speak out about another guy's contract situation and literally comment on his pockets. Like that's like a a golden rule. I think I tweeted it's a golden rule. You're raised to to worry about yourself. You don't worry about others. You may think you're better than someone. You may think one thing or another. You might have opinions about someone, but you never you never mention anyone's bank account or pocket. You stay out of other people's pockets. You only worry about yourself. And I think for his teammates to, to criticize him and, and, and not support him, although A.B. stepped up and posted something saying that we we here basically riding with you when you get back, I think it's it shows it's disrespectful. I think it shows a lack of camaraderie. And you're talking about a league who doesn't have fully guaranteed contracts. Wouldn't you, would you want to, to push for that, for more guaranteed contracts, more money for everybody? More money for him means more money for the next guy, and that's what I'm about. I'm about everybody eating. So I think for them to, to criticize him, a guy who's trying to do what's best for, him, for himself and his family, you have to support that, whether that means you're losing games or not. If he feels like his value is higher, you have to respect that. And for them to kind of talk about him and how they sacrifice their body, how they doing all the work on the front five or the front four, and I think it's I think it's blasphemy. I think it's similar to how Gortat was speaking out about John. I think it's it's foul. It's disrespectful. You don't talk about your teammates and you don't really comment on other people, especially if they're helping you eat. Like Le'Veon Bell needs his lineman, but he does a lot of that work on his own too. 
And I think that it, it just it's disrespectful. So to to speak out on another man's pockets or a comment on another man's livelihood, I think is is unacceptable in this sense because he is your teammate. He is a very, very good player, all pro caliber player, and you need him. It's obvious that you need him. So I think from a contractual standpoint, pay the man or don't comment on the man. Do you think the fact that James Conner, who went 192 yards total, two scores, the fact that he played really well other than the fumble, that he was really impressive, I wonder, does that play any role? I mean, I know that Bell is secure enough to know that he's the guy, but at what point do you think he starts to think, uh, i got to get back there because I don't want to lose carries? Or maybe because Connor was so good, it could help Bell, and he wouldn't have to shoulder as much of a load until later in the season. I think in the back of his mind he was thinking he hopes the team does well and loses because then it shows how valuable he is to that team. I think if they would have lost that game, a deal probably would have been done by the end of the week. But in the, in this sense, like you said before, Connor played really well. He showed versatility, ability to catch the ball out the backfield. He made good cuts. It's raining outside, and he's still being able to cut back across the field, had good vision, first career start. I think it's a, a great sign for the Steelers organization and, and potentially a bad sign for Le'Veon Bell because obviously he's not the same player as Bell. He's not going to be able to produce this to the same extent or level as Bell because Bell is one of the best running backs, if not the best running back in the league in terms of all purpose outside of Todd Gurley and a couple others. But it shows that they have a guy who can get the job done just as well, if not better, for less money. And you know the NFL is you know, against guaranteed contracts. They don't really like to pay running backs anyway as it is. So this could potentially hurt him from a negotiation standpoint. But if he's looking to get a bigger, fully guaranteed contract next season, at the very least, he saves his body, you know, 10 games, eight games, five games of, of that pounding because he does get a lot of touches. Has that ever happened for you where you've had a guy that um, either a franchise guy or, or maybe just a, you know, a rotational player that, that holds out um, and that doesn't report? And, and how does that – how is that perceived in the NBA? No, I've never seen – or been a part of players holding out or, or not reporting. Everybody usually reports when it's training camp, when training camp's about to start because we have fully guaranteed contracts. So if you don't report, your pockets are getting hurt over the long haul and you could break clauses in your deal. Football is completely different. So I don't really understand a lot of the rules and how they're structured in terms of signing bonuses and what dates you need to report and what dates you get fined. But they're playing on non-guaranteed contracts, so I support them. I support them because I believe, you know, based on their sport, how physical it is, the the amount of stress that you're putting on your body, not to mention the the brain trauma that they're 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 getting on a nightly basis. I think they deserve guaranteed contracts. So if if one of your teammates is is literally holding out for more money and, and potentially more guaranteed money, playing one of the toughest positions in the league at running back, which means you're you're facing contact and they have to go across the middle and have to pick up blocks on 270 pound rushers, I think that it just shows you that their league is a little different. Right. It's just a little different. That's all because you should want more guaranteed money for everybody. Do you, but do you think the fact that his teammates, including some marquee guys, you know, said that they don't approve of what he's doing, that, of what Le'Veon's doing, that you talked about the camaraderie, that when he does come back, specifically the offensive line, that, that there'll be some, you know, hostile – feelings there or will that dissipate as he gets back in the game because he's so good I think it'll dissipate once he gets back but I'm sure they'll have some words you know I would have some words I would have to ask him like look 
why don't you agree with my decision? I understand we're trying to win here as an organization, but if I'm what's best for the team, why aren't they paying him? Why aren't they paying him more money? If it's obvious that he helps the team, other running backs are getting extensions. David Johnson got an extension done. Todd Gurley got two or three years added to his deal. If I'm that type of player, if I'm that caliber, that caliber, that tier, why am I not getting my contract restructured? Like it doesn't make sense to me. But right. I think that he's such a good player. It won't matter when he comes back. It'll be like riding a bike, as you've seen with Khalil Mack and some of those other guys who held out for for the majority of training camp. Uh, Earl Thomas being another player who didn't participate in training camp until basically two days before the game and, and gets an interception in his first game. Yeah, for what it's worth, Bell's. Well, he was scheduled to make about 14-5, which would have been tops in the league. However, he wants a long-term deal. As you know, running backs, you know, they don't – typically at 30 is that spot where you start to go down. Uh, he's probably got three or four really good years left. And I don't blame him for wanting to get paid. But it is a tough spot because the Steelers believe that they can contend for a Super Bowl, but they won't without him. So they have the leverage, but he it's not like he doesn't have any leverage either. So it'll be interesting to see – how it plays out. Um, one of the things I wanted to ask you about this week, CJ, was, you know, th- there are some really great videos on Instagram about you and Eric going one-on-one. And, I mean, Eric can score. There's no doubt about it. And he he can guard – it looks like he guards you relatively well because he knows you so well. Uh, how much fun is that and what's been the reaction to it? Uh, it's always fun to get in the gym with my big bro. Uh, we've been working out since we were kids. You know, I've learned a lot from him. I've, I've stolen a lot of his moves. His demeanor, his setups, you know, we, we help each other, we steal from each other and continue to try to, you know, sharpen, sharpen our, our tool set and our package. But overall, it was just great, man. We, we got some good work in, played one-on-one, played a lot of different spots. Raymond Felton was also playing with us. Shout out to Ray, uh, getting some work in with us, giving us some different looks and trying to continue to get better and get in shape, man. I think that's the biggest thing. Competing in one-on-one, it, it, it takes a toll on you. There's no plays off. You have to figure out ways to score when you're tired. You have to figure out ways to guard when you're tired. And uh, my brother is one of the most crafty, versatile scorers in the world. He's able to score at all three levels. He can shoot the three. He can shoot mid-range. He can play in pick and rolls. He can finish around the basket uh, with either hand and knows how to use the backboard. So he's a very tough cover, especially in limited dribble situation where you have premium space. I think that's the, the, the fun part about it. Just a lot of space and a lot of things you can experiment with from a footwork standpoint to a dribble series standpoint of two dribbles or three dribbles and we always have a great time I think there was a lot of you know positive feedback there's always some haters out there but I think the biggest thing is just trying to get better we always push each other we've always been killers we've always continued to try to figure out ways to improve and what better way to improve by guarding somebody who plays just like you who's able to score step backs pump fakes crossovers uh, score in a variety of ways. So that's my big bro, man. I, uh, I love him to death and glad we were able to get some work in uh, before I had to come back to PDX. CJ, one of the questions I had for you today was revolving around your brother. And, you know, he's obviously played all over the world, China, Turkey, Greece, Euro Cup champion, Euro Cup MVP. I mean, the guy's had an unbelievably accomplished career uh, overseas. And, do you ever have you ever worried about his safety um, over there? Because there was an article on Yahoo Sports today about Americans going overseas, specifically to Iraq and Baghdad, where obviously it's a war torn country and guys not feeling safe. So, have you ever thought about that for your brother, specifically when he was in Turkey um, just a couple of years ago, or even in China last year? Yeah, I think it's it's unfortunate some countries. 
aren't as stable. There's there some issues in certain countries and some players have to go through, you know, maybe not being paid on time, you know, practicing in certain environments. The gym may not be up to standard, but then there's some countries where everything's great. It's just like you're in the United States, maybe better in terms of the atmosphere, where you're at, what you're able to do in those cities and just being able to experience traveling the world. But for me personally, I think there's some cities that I wouldn't play in, some countries that I probably wouldn't play in, but Having gone to Europe, I don't know, four or five summers in a row, I've been to different parts of the the countries and just really ex- exposed myself to the culture, the food, the language, uh, how how people prepare for their games in Europe versus in China versus in the NBA and just tried to add some stuff to my arsenal. And I think, you know, having seen my brother's success and how much fun he's had in Turkey, how much fun he's had in Greece, playing in Israel, playing in China, I think I'm comfortable with a lot of countries and and, and playing in a lot of places. I think there's obviously some places that you probably try to stay away from. Maybe it's the weather. Maybe you want hot weather. Maybe you don't want to go to Russia because it's cold. Or maybe maybe there's a certain, certain place in Israel or in Turkey or in Greece that that you like because there's more restaurants or you have a favorite restaurant or a favorite mall. But I think there's a lot of reasons why players choose certain countries. But if it's just about playing the game you love and finding employment, then you got to be willing to go to some places that may not be the safest. Do you think, um, and you're 26, so we, we have a lot of time to think about this, but uh, when your NBA career is over, is that something you would ever consider or want to do, go overseas yourself? I think it depends on what stage I'm at in my life from a family standpoint. You know, obviously I'll have, I'll be married with kids by then. So it'll really just depend on where they're at and, and how much how much they're able to travel and maneuver around. But there are definitely some countries that I could live in. And I've already told wifey that Spain is one of them. Spain's a place where I could definitely live at, you know, more than six months out of the year and really have a good time just based on the culture, what you're able to accomplish there and how much diversity it is. Um Definitely enjoyed my time there. And there's some other countries that I could see myself exploring for for longer time periods. Yeah, I mean, I I've had the good fortune of traveling too, and and there are so many amazing places in Europe. But you know, Turkey, you mentioned earlier, like that's it is not necessarily safe there. And um, I know your brother played there a couple years ago, but I, I would imagine that for you, um, when you're done, that given how much you love the game that you know money not being something like a determining factor that i i, I could see you for what it's worth going overseas and to like a great country you know going to going to spain or italy and playing a couple of years and immersing yourself into that lifestyle and you know you're a cultural guy you could you could your kids could experience that i don't know i'm just putting it in your in your uh your brain for for a potential opportunity down the line. No, it's definitely something I've talked about. I've mentioned it to my brother. I've talked to, to my girl about it and even said it when I was younger. I always said that I wanted to play for like Olympiacos or a Real or, or one of those types of teams. Not Panathiakos? Uh, you know, uh, <laughs> I think it's... I like the red and white. Yeah, I think, I they, I think they're both they're both great organizations, great clubs with, with, with history unlike anything you've seen. But just in terms of countries that I've visited. I really like Greece a lot. I really like Spain. I've heard tremendous things about Israel, so Maccabi is always an option. But I mean, I really, it's easy to say you'll do something now. And then once you get older and you actually have to do it, then that's what that's what really changes things, especially if the kids can't travel or don't want to travel or right. wifey's, wifey's dental practice needs her to be in the States. It'll, it'll be a tough decision and, and something that we have to revisit in hopefully 15, 20 years from now. 
We've got more pull up for you in a second. But first, I want to talk about Daily Harvest. Part of being healthy is staying active, and that means getting enough protein to fuel you through all your workouts. But it doesn't have to come in the form of a chalky, tasteless shake. To get the fuel you need with the flavor you want, you've got to try the new protein smoothies from Daily Harvest. Daily Harvest delivers perfectly portioned cups of frozen organic fruits and vegetables directly to your door. It takes 30 seconds. Just add water or your favorite milk to your cup and blend or heat. Daily Harvest's new plant-based, ready-to-blend protein smoothies actually have me excited about gym days. I think chocolate and hazelnut sounds best. Can't argue with getting 10 grams of protein on the go. There's also oats and sesame and banana and so much more. But in any case, all of these smoothies are going to get you through a workout, no doubt. So go to daily-harvest.com and enter promo code PULLUP to get three cups free in your first box. That's promo code PULLUP for three free Daily Harvest Cups at daily-harvest.com. Daily-harvest.com. One of the somber parts of today is uh, I did want to hit on Mac Miller. Uh, what, what was your take on that and um, what was your reaction and, and were you a fan of his music? Yeah, man, I was saddened by that, man. I just want to send some thoughts and prayers to his family. It's, it's very unfortunate what's happened. Um, he's a tremendous, tremendous artist from all accounts and from what I've listened to since I was, I don't even know, 18. We're both, we're both 26. So I think the first time I actually heard his music was my sophomore year in college. Uh, Wiz Khalifa came to the, to the university, and that's when I, I became immersed in the Wiz uh, Mac Miller, Machine Gun Kelly, all those guys, and just listening to their music and how they tell their stories, you know, was, was everything. So uh, it's, it's very, very unfortunate, man. And as as J. Cole said, there's a lot of people out there that look like they're doing fine, but, you know, don't be afraid to check up on people and make sure they're doing all right. And for those people that are actually going through something or, you know, feeling feeling like it's dark times, uh, don't be afraid to to reach out to a friend or someone you trust or someone you can confide in and just you know just have a have a deep open conversation. And I think that's one of the things we've done a great job of on the podcast is just showing that there's a lot of sides to this life. You know, it, it's not always great. It's not always what it seems. You know, from the from the looks of it, an NBA player, NFL player, someone who's making a lot of money seems like they don't have any problems. But we all have different problems and things that we're facing and different battles with certain demons that, you know, you need help to overcome. So I'm just, it's extremely sad, it's extremely sad to see this. Well, mental, mental illness does not discriminate. And we've had enough guests, to your point, CJ, about, you know, who have discussed it, uh, whether it was Blake Griffin, Dwayne Wade. Um, you know, it, it means a lot that I think we can have that conversation. And I think it's really impactful when celebrities, professional athletes like yourself are willing to have the conversation. Um, do you guys, is it, I know I've asked you this before, but I don't think on the pod, is that something that is ever discussed in the locker room or among other pro athletes? Is that conversation safe? Is that a safe space? I think it just depends on the type of team you're on, who you're around. Uh, a lot of guys have issues. You know, I'm just going to Frankly, I have issues. We all go through different things in life, different battles, anxiety, depression, stress, day-to-day stress, random stress, performance stress, injury stress. There's a lot of things that that weigh on you. And I think it's important that you have people that you can talk to, people that you trust, people that aren't going to judge you or uh, affect how you eat. And I think that's one of the biggest dilemmas athletes face is figuring out who to confide in. So, you know, having talked to a lot of guests and, and people 
from different professions, just finding a therapist, finding that that person that you can confide in, just share stories with, you know, explain maybe what's going on in your life or why you feel in a certain way, or maybe you just need somebody to talk to. I think it's important. And just having conversations with guys around the team, there's a, a negative stigma attached to, to having a therapist, especially in the black communities. And we have to do a better job of, you know, figuring out ways to, to get help to people who need it. You know, we grow up in certain situations in inner cities. Some kids are, are seeing violence early on. They're seeing people dealing drugs. They're seeing a lot of different things that aren't normal. And we normalize it because of how we grow up a lot of times. So I think it's important that, you know, as an athlete who's, who has a platform as a professional, at the highest level that I share stories, I share things that are happening to me, things that we're experiencing as professional athletes. And you see guys making 100, 200, 300 million dollars and they have therapists, they have people they confide in. They they aren't afraid to to admit that at times we feel weak, at times there's doubt, at times we have problems that we can't solve on our own. Wow. Yeah. Well, I think it was Blake Griffin that said, um, you know, you it's okay to admit it and, and you're not a freak when you do that you're experiencing some kind of mental health issue that you need to go to therapy. So I, I appreciate your honesty. Um, I, you know, today's also a memorable day um, for a lot of bad reasons, you know, 9-11. And I wonder for you if you could just, like for me, I remember exactly where I was when I found out what was happening. Are you Can you share your story about what you remember from that day uh, 17 years ago? Yeah, man. It's And rest in peace to to those that aren't with us from that day, man, I think it's it's something that you always will remember. You know, being at school, you know, them them calling the alarms sounding off and them calling calling us into the classrooms and holding us together. We actually were in class. We didn't know what was happening. You know, we're kids. I, I think I'm in elementary at this point, and they brought the TVs out. They wheeled the TVs in. This is when the TVs were on the little uh, portable. I don't know what you call them. They wheeled them in, and the news was on. And they were replaying one of the planes crashing into a building. And we were just kind of looking at each other like, what is this? Like, what's going on? You know, as a kid, you don't really know any better. You, usually you watch cartoons, you have nap time, there's, there's structured parts of your day, recess, things of that nature. And we're looking at the news and we're like, what is this? And they, then eventually they turned it off, told us that there was a, there was a crisis, there was a terrorist attack in, in the city and sent us home. Wow. It was crazy. Yeah, it's something that you always remember where you were at, the classroom, everything. It's crazy. So you were nine years old. Wow. Yeah, I was. Um, I think a freshman in high school, and I was. It was West Coast, so I was actually at home. My parents woke me up. Must have been six a.m. And they said, "You got to come downstairs. Something terrible has happened." And I, it, what, I, school, school was on. School went on that day, but it was. Uh, it was a very strange day, and I'll never forget being in class and. Um, man, I, I, I think it's very therapeutic to discuss it. I do remember there were some people in my school that did not want to talk about it. Some teachers that felt like it was too much for the kids to handle. I think it's changed now where that conversation is more and more prevalent where to our point about, you know, mental health or, you know, having these discussions that are not comfortable, but important to have, you know, I, I, I mean, you're nine, so you didn't probably weren't ready for that, but. Yeah. When you're 13, 14, you have these questions you need to have them answered. I, I agree wholeheartedly. I think it's important that we educate the kids and, and really take the time to explain certain things to them, especially when the emotions are involved, because you never know how it's how certain traumas, how certain things are going to affect a young, impressionable mind. Yeah. Only thing for me, I you know, I, I saw on Twitter that uh, you and Owen 3 on Fantasy, 
And I'm just wondering how that happened. I'm getting whooped. And what is going on? To go 0-3 is, is hard to do. So give me a sense of your team and where you're at because uh, that's pretty bad. Honestly, it's not hard. It was easy. It, it, it happened so fast. Oh, it happened it so happened fast. It happened so fast. And there, were, and there were jokes on my Twitter about, oh, you used to go in 0-4. And, and I was like, ha, 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 great joke. But, you know, you got to love the internet. Right. I'm in three leagues. I'm in some leagues with some of my homies from home. I'm in leagues with some of my ex-teammates. Shout out to Pat. Shout out to my guy, Pat. We're in a fantasy league together. And I'm also in the league with some of my guys from Lehigh. Uh, one of my friends, good friends, who just recently got married in Utah. I'm in a league with him. And honestly, my team is one of my teams is really good. I actually I was favored to win before the week started. And then the Raiders decided not to target Amari Cooper at all. Mm. You know, I think he I think he was targeted three times. I had one catch for nine yards, and I just needed ten fantasy points out of him for a win, and I got two. So that was that was tough. The Amari Cooper experience, by the way, I'm very familiar. Not a good one. Yeah, it's it's not a good one. So I'm just going to give you my roster breakdown right now. All right. I have a yeah. It looks terrible. Oh and one. I got Drew Brees. Oh, this is why I lost. Uh, Fournette got hurt, so that that kind of messed up things a little bit. I got Chris Carson. Julio Jones, Amari Cooper, Graham, Juice, shout out to Juice, Ravens defense, and then I have New Orleans kicker. The bench is okay. Yeah. So that's that's the team that's supposed to win. Yeah, the Jimmy Graham, Amari Cooper experience. That is very, very hot and cold. <sighs> those two guys. It's a roller coaster ride. And a lot of times it's not their fault because you can't score if you don't get targeted. So that's that's true. Uh, they gotta do a better job of targeting their star players. Well, I, I agree, but uh you might need to make a trade. I know. And then my, you know? my other roster is good. I got Andrew Luck. Okay. I got Andrew Luck, but what killed me is that Doug Baldwin got hurt. I know. So I'm I'm facing injuries right now and that leaves me with zero points. Yeah, that's that's bad. Out of out of key positions. But my team name is Down with the Browns. Oh, I love that. <laughs> uh okay, I know we said we were we had one more thing, but I do I one thing that I meant to ask you about, and you're not prepared for this, so I'm curious if you got to see any of it. And what your reaction was to um, Serena losing, and some of the outcry against her oh, yeah. for, you know, compl- basically yelling at the referee or the umpire. But I, I, I've watched this over and over. There are never um, penalties for talking to a coach. I've never seen that. So I, I thought it was crazy. I think it's a shame. I'm not saying that she that she deserved to win, but it's a terrible way to lose. Yeah, it is. And based on what I've seen, all the coach did was give her a thumbs up. So what type of coaching are you getting from a from a thumbs up? It, right. It doesn't really make sense. But I think her, her overall argument was right. I think the timing of it wasn't the best because it took away from the girl who actually won the uh, U.S. Open. But she has a point. Yeah. Women are put in difficult positions, difficult situations, not judged fairly a lot of times in sports as athletes. Uh, we get away with a lot worse. Some of the things I've heard players say and some of the things I've said to a referee – Compared to what Serena said, it's not even close. And I, I get it, it's two different sports. I understand that. But just looking at other male tennis players, how they've talked to referees, how they slam rackets, how it's perceived when they take their shirt off versus how a woman does it and she gets points you know, for changing the shirt during a match. Is she supposed to run to the bathroom to change her shirt when she has the sports bra on? Like, I don't understand uh, the differences in terms of how they're officiated, how they're supposed to play, they're supposed to be more ladylike. I, I think it's all sexist. I think it's unfair. And don't get me wrong, Serena could have handled the situation better in terms of the timing and and how it was more. It was more so on how she was 
she was cheated instead of how the other right. girl won. I think Serena may have had a chance, but she was dom she was being dominated for the majority of that of that match in both both sets. Yeah. But I just think that how women are treated in sports is just it's not equal. It's not fair. It it's not equal. It's the same sport, but it's it's not equal. Yeah, no, I agree. But what bothers me is a double standard with with women. Like they're supposed to be you know, ladylike, but they're supposed to compete. And she gets banned, by the way, in August because of she's wearing a cat suit at the French Open Roland Garros, and they didn't like that. Um, I think it was a shame that it took away from this young woman's feat of beating the greatest tennis player ever uh, at the U.S. Open, the ultimate event. But, you know, regardless, like, Serena is like any great competitor and great athlete. She's going to have – these raw emotions that are uncontrollable in the heat of a match. And for her to get penalized for something that really had absolutely no bearing on the match, as you said, a thumbs up, and I haven't seen anything different than that, is just, it's so unfortunate. And this is the issue that I think um, has plagued, you know, women's sports as a whole, these double standards. And, like, what's the balance between being feminine and then also being competitive? And it really bothers me that they're held to something that, that men are not. Yeah, I think it's completely unfair. And we didn't even talk about the fact that she gave birth. She had complications with birth, so the cat suit helps with her blood flow. Oh. And when she gave birth, they dropped her, like, I don't know, 300? She was essentially, like, last in the rankings and had to had to right. fight her way up and right. didn't even qualify for certain tournaments. And she was top 10 in the world before she had the pregnancy, before the baby. So just some of those things that they go through as women when they have to give birth or they're, they're forced to do certain things, it affects their rankings, it affects their ability to perform in certain tournaments, and it's just unfair. It's all unfair. It's not right. Not only that, but but you know you, you talked about some of the issues. She had a significant medical crisis for a week. She had blood clots in her lungs. Um, she said that she's that she's you know nearly died. I, I just she, to me she's the most unbelievable athlete. Um, of our of our generation, alongside LeBron and and Michael Jordan, I mean, she's right there, if not more impressive. And I, I it really bothers me that that she, of all people, who's done so much for the sport and for tennis as a whole, uh, has to deal with this. But it, it'll be something to monitor going forward because um, she's going to keep winning, and and there's really nothing that the WTA can do about that. Yeah, that's true. And she's had 20 years of greatness, so. They can find her all they want. They can ridicule her. They can criticize her. But you can't take away from the things she's been able to accomplish uh, these last few, these last two decades, not even a few years, the last two decades of dominance. And I know we touched on fantasy football. We didn't talk about the pull-up pod fan duel. No, we didn't. Great league. There is a pull-up pod fan duel. You can't subscribe. My week has been awful. I don't even know how I finished. I'm going to look and see how I finished in the FanDuel, but you can play with us every week, play against us every week on the FanDuel. I think it's backslash pull-up. I will also be posting on Twitter again just to kind of remind everyone that it is available for them. Um, I think we've, we've talked about a lot. We hit on the Browns. We hit on the Browns, which is basically the most important thing, <laughs> Le'Veon situation. Yeah. We didn't talk about Andrew Bynum. For those who don't know, Bynum is – preparing to make a comeback he is he looks pretty good in in film at least it's hard for me to judge a seven footer and we talked about this before we started taping about like his lateral quickness and how he could be in a pick and roll but uh what what was your sense on that when you saw that how does he look from your perspective and um 
do you think there's a role for him? Because he's really a traditional center, and in many ways uh, the game has changed since he's left. It's hard for me to tell what type of shape a guy is in based on an individual workout, but to his credit, he was moving well and it looked like he had range beyond the three-point line, but I'm just not sure about his you know, physical conditioning from a game standpoint, being able to run up and down the floor, having to guard pick and rolls, just the way the game is played right now. And based on the injuries he's had in the past, I'm not sure how he would fare. But I, if I, if I were, were to see him in a game setting or a, a pickup setting to where he's playing fives, he's picking and popping, he's having to close out on shooters, getting switched on guards, I'd be able to better assess you know, kind of where he's at. But I wish him nothing but the best. I hope he's able to make a full recovery and get back into the league. And uh, yeah, I, I wish, I, I, w- I hope everyone succeeds except for when they play us. Honestly, that's how I feel. Well, he he never, like I, I always thought he was a really good player. And, and he's he's only taken, he's only made one three in his career. Uh, so that gives you a sense of what I'm saying. He's more of a back-to-the-basket guy. But, you know, if you look at his numbers, uh, he was really good and a big part of that title team with the Lakers, obviously had issues with Kobe. He's only 30, um, and he's had, obviously, tremendous knee issues. That that was really what kept him out of the lineup. So I, I, I hope he does well, too. But, like, I feel like everybody looks good in a workout video. Like, you know, you, you can post anything, and you're making every shot. And, I mean, it, it's just not a good – it's not a good way to evaluate a player. Right, that's true. You can kind of control how you look, but in a different type of setting – there's no control over what happened. You can see guys getting scored on. You can see guys missing shots. You're able to see their ability to read pick and rolls in certain situations. So uh, I think as he progresses and gets closer to playing in the game setting, that uh, more film will, will be available on him. I think, I think that's definitely something we can expect to see in the future. I have the, I have the rundown now. I have the link in place. I'm going to tweet it on FanDuel. Yep. I'm supposed, I'm supposed to read this to you guys. We are up and running. You can sign up at FanDuel.com backslash pull up and play us for free. There's cash prizes for the winners. And if I win, it all goes to charity. Not to Jordan, to charity. <laughs> and if I win, I get you I get you more wine. <laughs> Amen. Speaking of wine, cue the wine music. Jordan, you've been traveling the world. Shout out to your pops and your family in general, though. You guys are doing a tremendous job. I appreciate it, man. Really happy to see what you guys have been able to accomplish and now, to be able to, to build something in another country of that magnitude is, is awesome, man. So I appreciate it, bro. Congratulations. Yeah, I mean, it was... We, that is awesome. We were in Italy for for the uh, Milan opening. It was pretty spectacular. They, Starbucks had never opened in Italy. Um, 77 countries, and, and not to be in Italy was always an issue for my dad. So I, I was really excited about it. Um, and being in Italy, as you know, there's great food and wine. I, I had a bottle of... Um, Italian wine that was so spectacular called Faber F-A-B-E-R I sent you the picture Uh, I've ordered some it is classic like Tuscan wine you're going to love it not a Pinot but uh, pretty great and uh, I have a case on the way I'm looking forward to having that man And when I was in New York last week my wife and I went to dinner authentic Italian spot I can't remember the name of it but it's in my notes and I let her pick the wine out, and she chose the Etude, E-T-U-D-E. It's a Pinot. It was a 2007 from Carneros, United States, and it's rated a 92 out of 100 from wine enthusiasts. It's among the top 3% of wines in the world, and it paired really, really well with my penne pasta and salad. And the best part about it is that it's only $34 
and 99 cents on Vivino. But the problem is that it's not available right now. You can't purchase it right now on Vivino because I don't know. I honestly don't know why you can't purchase it, but <laughs> they're out. <laughs> but hopefully, yeah, maybe they're out, but hopefully they fix the situation at hand and you're able to purchase it. But it was very, very good. Low maintenance. You know, there was no, there's no hangover, anything of that nature in the morning, and we crushed, we absolutely crushed and destroyed. Well, I know that winery, that bottle. I know that wine. It is very good, and uh, a good choice by wifey. Good choice. Uh, I'm thankful for her. She, she takes good care of me. That is the wine segment. We'll also be doing a live show at uh, Boys and Girls Club, and Rock. I think it's Rockville actually, Boys and Girls Club in Oregon. I have a special guest for you guys. I'm coming. Jordan is in the building as well. He is not the special guest, though. <laughs> no, I am not. Yeah, this is awesome. It's going to be a great time. You're going to be able to see one of the rooms I've renovated and turned into a studio. The kids are going to be hyped. They'll be able to use it. There'll be an unveiling, maybe a ribbon cutting, and much more. But you can catch us on Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your shows from. We appreciate you all listening. Subscribe, like, comment, give us feedback and advice, and... Don't forget to pull up, pull up.